Life is good. Life is bad. Life is incredible. Life is terrible. Life is extremely long, yet awfully short. Life is easy. Life is hard. Life is extremely complicated and complex, yet so simple. Life is a journey. Life is full of love and filled with joy, but it's also full of hurt and pain. But ultimately, when it's all said and done, life, it's yours. Life is a masterpiece waiting to be created and filled with all the aforementioned ingredients. See, each day you wake up, you're given a brand new blank canvas to create the greatest masterpiece possible. And you have to do that with whatever ingredients you're given. Yours won't look like anyone else's, nor should it, but ultimately it's yours. No one would even bother creating or enjoying art if every creation was simply the same. So now the brush is in your hands and this day is filled with endless opportunities. What incredible masterpiece will you create with today's ingredients? It's time to live and love life. Why you ask? Because you can. You don't need any other reason, simply because you can. Well, what up, everybody? What up, what up, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Vitalized Podcast. You're here with your friendly neighborhood host, Mr. Marcus Black. And if I'm honest right now, which I'm going to be honest, I'm always going to be honest. So right now it's no different, right? But me being honest with you right now, it took every ounce of energy that I have in my body to muster up the strength to greet you the way you deserve to be treated. And it has nothing to do with you. You deserve to be treated with energy. You deserve to be treated with just positivity and just me welcoming you into this community because maybe you're here for the first time those of you guys who are here every week you're used to me getting up getting hype pouring into you making sure that i'm pushing you and giving you the tools that you need to build a life that you love to live but if you're here for the first time and i anticipate there'll be a lot of people who are here for the first time given the nature of the discussion and the conversation um this is this is difficult man my heart is heavy Honestly, the words, I I don't even have the words, so bear with me. I am going to do the best that I can to articulate to you guys on the subject. So I just want to say, if you are here for the first time, man, welcome to the Vitalized community. We are a group of people that's all about building life and starting with yourself, looking in the mirror, overcoming the obstacles and adversities that you've gone through in your own personal life, realizing you're not defined by them and stepping up to truly live and love life. And after you do that, spending the rest of your days doing what you love and giving that same life back to the world around you. That is what Vitalized means. That's what we're all about. So if you're here, man, welcome. You belong here man all of the above like you belong and if you don't have any other place to belong you can belong in this family if you want to reach out to me if you want to talk about anything i talk about today if you want to send me questions man feel free to connect with me on instagram that's probably the best way at marcus m-a-r-c-u-s underscore black on instagram and send me a message man i mean if you have been doing that and we've been connecting and i'm going to continue to do that i am accessible to you 
But I want to, without further ado, kind of get into today's talk. And I know there's a lot of hearts heavy. If you're here and you were driven here, you found this through social media or a friend shared it with you, however you got here, maybe you find yourself also with a heavy heart. And one of the things, if you're not familiar with this, or even if you are, you know we keep it real around here. And that's what we're always going to do. We're never going to be just fake and political and saying things like don't get me wrong like I believe in love and respect for all of my fellow men and all of God's creation but we're also going to keep it real and I'm not going to allow any type of politics or news or oh because you have a platform you got to be aware man and right now forget all of that I am going to speak truthfully candidly honestly and hopefully it's a refreshing discussion and hopefully right now, I don't want anybody to be worried. So if you're here, don't be worried. It's not going to be hateful. Nothing I do is that. Everything Vitalize stands for is giving life. But it is going to be real. And it sometimes we have to have the difficult discussions. When you have a person that really loves you and really wants to see you win in life and really wants to create positive change, that sometimes it means or requires difficult discussions. And it's time we have some difficult discussions in this nation. And... It's funny, I just literally was talking with my producer. Shout out to my producer also. Shameless plug, Studio 29, uh, OKC. And if you guys need anything, be sure to hit up Taylor Moore. But we were just talking. And, uh, you know, he's a white male. And he just, out of his own mouth, told me, like, man, you know, years ago, before meeting you, before meeting some of my other friends, before developing close relationships and seeing things firsthand, I was one of those people who... Just thought it was exaggerated. I thought, oh, let me see the rest of the video. Where are they cutting it? Where are they editing it? Why is the media playing it this way? Not realizing that that is a real harsh reality of millions of people of color, brown and black bodies. And if this conversation we're having makes you uncomfortable, then good. Please do not stop listening because that is a part of the problem. I honestly... So I already was planning on doing a deliver us from people part two. So, but what happened was, and I'll tell you how this came about. So I actually posted a post on Facebook and I got to the point where I can't, I can't be quiet anymore. And I'm going to go into a lot of that today. I couldn't. And I just had to share my heart and I'm not going to lie to you. I was overwhelmed, was overwhelmed, completely and utterly overwhelmed in a good way by the amount of positive support, love, care, compassion, and just the heartfelt messages I received from many of my white brothers and sisters saying things like, I am so sorry, this is not okay. We will stand up, we will stand with you, we will walk with you, whether it's uncomfortable or not, we want you to know we love you. And that just did something to warm my heart. But one of the things that many of them were asking was, but we don't know how, how do we be a part of a solution? What is it that we can do? And so that led me to come back to this place, to this platform, to be able to share in, a, in an environment where it's just us, communal and conversational, where I can just kind of really just speak my heart to you candidly. And maybe you walk away with some takeaways, enlightened, hopefully uplifted, because we're always gonna end this thing uplifted. But it's just like anytime you clean a house, things a lot of times get worse before they get better. So it might be some ugly truths that we have to face, but I'm just sharing you my real life story. So 
uh, this idea, Deliver Us From People, came about. If you haven't listened to Deliver Us From People Part 1, man, check it out. It is an, a powerful, a powerful, incredible stories of just how, man, a song actually that was written by Jonathan McReynolds called People. And he's talking to God, and he's like, man, God, please deliver us from people. He's like, they are the best and the worst of all of your creation. And I'm like, there's never been anything so true because people literally are God's gift to each other. When we stand together and we stand in the gap and we love each other and we support each other and we see beyond the things that separate us and find commonalities and work together to build something greater, there's nothing more powerful than seeing each other for our differences, acknowledging those differences, accepting those differences and loving, learning to love the cultural differences that God gave us. And that is nothing more beautiful than that. But on the other hand, just like that is the best of God's creation, people are also the worst of God's creation because so many people look at God so many people question God. They question God's heart, God's motive at the hands of some of the things they see in this world, some of the evil, some of the hatred. We don't even have to get into it because I don't even know if my heart can handle it right now. You start looking at domestic violence. You start looking at child abuse. You start looking at people being sexually abused. You start looking at some of those things in the world that are just literal atrocities. And it makes our hearts hurt. You have people breaking your heart. You have jobs letting you go, breaking your heart after you've sacrificed so much for them. You have people turning their backs on you. You feel lost. You feel lonely. You feel confused. And it's all at the hands of people and hearts become heavy. And that leads us right into the topic this week. And I know many of you have seen this video. I don't even have to, I mean, know how much I have to share. But if you haven't, if for whatever reason, you do actually live under a rock in the year 2020 where we've already dealt with so much. That's the thing. We've already dealt with so much this year, so much adversity, so much loss, so much pain, so much trauma. And then I will just tell you my story. Story time. I literally woke up Monday morning. So I woke up Monday morning, did my thing. So I always try to spend a little bit of time with God. So I'm connecting before I even get out of my bed, before I go get my boys, you know, wifey's working. I go get my boys after I finish up that, my time with God, go get them, get them dressed, get them ready. And I get them to daycare, get them fed, get them to daycare, get them dropped off. And, and then I get home and I get ready for my day. So I check my social media because one of the things I do, I'm telling you guys to reach out to me. I'm going to respond to everybody. So responding to as many 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 people as i possibly can i'm looking comments and this thing just pops up on my phone so and it is a video of a incident that happens in new york city in central park and it is a lady mrs cooper who calls the police on mr christian cooper who's bird watching it and if you haven't heard that situation it basically a woman wasn't following the rules. A man, a black man, asked a white lady to follow the rules. She didn't like that he asked her to follow the rules. So he said, okay, I know a way to get her to follow the rules. He offers her dog a treat. Now, from his voice, he doesn't intend on giving the dog a treat. 
he just offers the dog a treat because he knows in order for the lady to prevent the dog from coming to get the treat, she's going to put the dog on the leash and follow the rule. She puts the dog on the leash and then almost strangles the dog to death while calling the police. The dog is like struggling to breathe and she's snatching the dog. I mean, that looks so cruel, but she's just frantic and yelling to the police. And this man is threatening her and her dog and he's going to harm her. And that already was heartbreaking. And it wasn't, you could look at it and say, well, no one was harmed. The police, he had everything on video. He was let go. But here's the thing you don't understand. Given the certain climate of the world and the state of the union and where we live, that is the part that makes that so disgusting. Is that literally I live in Oklahoma, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, there was a race massacre that happened because a white lady made and blamed a young black man of him trying to make a pass at her. And literally these guys come and burn down the entire black Wall Street community, right? So like that has been happening for years and years and years. It just those guys didn't have cameras and ways to prove their innocence. And it created so much bloodshed. Look at Emmett Till in the state of Mississippi, where I'm from, the similar situation. And come to find out years later, this lady proves, she says out of her own mouth, we made it all up. And this man, this kid is just beaten gruesomely to death, dropped in the bottom of the Mississippi River or in the river to just body decomposing. I mean, that, we don't even have to go there. So given the history of all of those things in this nation, this lady thinks this is something okay to do. And also knowing that she's yelling like she's dying. If the police actually show up, we don't know what type of mood they're going to be in or what type of day they've had. And if they're going to come in and shoot first and ask questions later and another innocent man could be dead because of her actions. So that's already heartbreaking. Cause I'm thinking like, man, that could have ended so tragically. I'm tired of hearing about these situations because I've had my own situations, which I'll get into in just a moment. But then no sooner than literally like the very next post, I'm like, let me get off of this because I can't look at this. And I scroll. And the next thing I see is a video of George Floyd. And that that video, I didn't know what I was about to watch, but it said, I mean, the the headline read that, you know, man dies at the hands of police. The whole the I can't breathe narrative and all of that, it wasn't out yet because it was. I saw it when it was fresh. It was just starting to kind of blow up. So I watched it, and I'm like, this video is long, but I'm watching. It's like 10 minutes. And after about three, tears started to well up in my eyes because that's kind of the point where things start getting aggressive as far as not from George on the ground fighting. At this point, he's done. His face is road burned. He's got road rash on it from being scrubbed on the pavement. And his nose is bleeding. He's bleeding from the nose. And he's like, man, I'm I'm done. And people are yelling and they're screaming and they're frantic. And I'm painting the picture. And if this makes you uncomfortable, this is we need to be uncomfortable because that leads to change. Growth is always uncomfortable. If you look at a baby, an infant, when they first come out of the womb, they have to stretch out for the first time. What do they do? They're screaming and they're crying because the light is loud. It's a new environment. It's uncomfortable. Then what happens? They start teething. As teeth start coming through the gums, it's uncomfortable. Anytime growth, when kids grow up, when kids go through puberty, they change, their bodies change, and it's uncomfortable. 
all throughout the stages of your life, when things grow, it is an uncomfortable process. So we will not grow as a nation, as a people, as a world without becoming uncomfortable. So looking at this image, and I'm going right back there of this officer's knee on this man's neck, and this man is crying out now. And he literally, if you haven't seen the video, you hadn't had the heart to watch it, he starts crying physically. And as grown man is laying on his stomach and he's crying for his mother. Do you know what type of despair you have to be in for a grown man to be calling for your mama? He's calling for his mama. He's crying. He's like, I can, my, everything hurts. My stomach hurts. My neck hurts. Everything hurts. These are words. And as this is happening, my stomach is churning. I feel sick to my stomach like I'm about to vomit. And I'm still watching. At this point, there's bystanders who are yelling like, stop, stop. This man can't breathe. Check his pulse. An EMT pulls up an off-duty firefighters like, please let me check his pulse. And the officer threatens to pull out pepper spray on her. She's like, no, I need to check his pulse. They deny her the right to check the man's pulse. And the rest is history. Mr. George Floyd body goes lifeless and he would later die after yelling over and over and over again I can't breathe forgive me I'm having the fight I gotta fight I gotta fight because I made a post on social media on Facebook and I said look man that could have been me and I know if you're listening to the sound of my voice and you look different from me this is where it gets difficult this is where the rubber meets the road because I gotta keep it real with you Every time you hear someone that looks like me, meaning have brown skin or a black body, you think that I am exaggerating a either you exaggerating. It's not that bad. It's not as bad as you think it is. Or you think I deserve what happened because of something I was doing that was so wrong. If you do criminal acts, you deserve to be treated as an animal, not even as an animal, because animals get better treatment. And that's harsh reality. But it is the truth. And so I say it could have been me because it really could have. And when I say you can't tell me that I'm being dramatic because you have not walked in my shoes, you haven't gone through what I've been through. And you were not there when my cousin and I were going to get my aunt some medication late. It was late at night. But she was very sick, and we were going to the gas station. Now, we live in the country, but we're going to the gas station to get her some medication. And an officer gets behind us. Lights go off, and we're like, oh, man, this is not good. It's late at night. We almost want to drive all the way to the gas station just so other people can see. But we pull over side of the road. It's just us and the officer. Next thing you know, he calls before he comes to our car, another car for backup. Next thing you know, it's three cars. They come to the car and they instantly own one. What's up, homie? I'm like, okay, this is degrading. Like you're going to, so you're going to degrade us because we are African-American. You instantly assume that that's the way I need to speak or communicate using Ebonics. And then he's trying his best to speak to me using slang. And it's just infuriating. I'm honestly, it felt so demeaning to have this man like, what's up, homie? Where the weed at or where the pills? I know y'all got some drugs. Where the drugs at? They got drug dogs, mind you. Drug dogs are all around the car barking. They're going all out, searching in the grass on the side of the road as if we threw something out of the car. Because, like, look, sir, we don't smoke. Like, what are you doing? 
and I can go all day with this story, but we don't have all day. So the officer winds up saying, nah, y'all got some drugs. I know y'all got some drugs. Where the drugs at, homie? Save us some time. And I'm like, I'm sitting here like shook. My cousin is angry because this is like the third time in a week they pulled him over and for nothing. He's not going to jail. He's not getting in trouble. It's like, why do you continue doing this? They pull me out. And they tell us to both get out of the car. Beating on the window. And it's like so dramatic. And you would think that like we finished the high speed chase the way that they were responding to us. Pull us out of the car. Literally, officer grabs me, shoves me around, pushes me on the car. And I'm just sitting here like, what is happening? Grabs my head and slams my face on the hood of the car. Spread my legs, searching my body, searching in all my pockets, just poking me with stuff, trying to make sure I don't have weapons or drugs. Which I already told him, I've never done drugs in my life, man. You know how belittling or how demeaning that felt? Somebody who was sworn to protect and serve two young African-American males, and they're just going in, berating, belittling, searching us, searching the woods. Finally, they find no drugs, which we told them they weren't going to find no drugs. We don't do drugs. And they're like, all right, guys. <laughs> It's uh, it's time for y'all to go home. And we're like, no, nah, we can't go home. We're going to get my aunt some medication. And the officer said, you're going home. And they got in their cars and they followed us home. And they told us, they followed us to the house and said, you better not leave again. Drove behind us until we went home, pulled in our driveway and waited until we went into the house before they left our driveway. You cannot tell me that I'm making this up. You cannot tell me I could have been on the side of the road and an officer made up any story he wanted about me trying to attack him. This is before body cams of me trying to attack him. What I'm trying to do, anything, man, that could have went. I don't even want to think about where that could have went because I can't want to think about not seeing my wife and my beautiful two baby boys. I don't want to think about it, but I have to think about it. It's a reality that I face. I don't get the... I don't get the opportunity to not think about it because I didn't just make that up. That's real life. That happened to me in my life. And you can't tell me that I'm over-exaggerating or I'm making things up because you were not with me when close friend of mine and I were headed to a church event in another state. Of course, we're African-American. Now, we know this. Like, come on now. Deep South. It is what it is. I'm from Mississippi. There's also Alabama, there's Tennessee, it's the heart of the South, but there is a place where Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee touch, and it's not a place if your skin is brown or black that you want to find yourself in that general location. Can't generalize and categorize everyone, but just speaking, you got to be careful and watch your back. Well, now we know this, but our gas tank is on E and it's been on E for a while and we don't know when we're going to be able to get gas again. So we pull off at this little gas station in the littlest town, like one single light town type. Get out of the car. We stretching. We laughing. We having a good time. You know, suits hanging up in the car. We getting ready to go to, for this church event. As we're stretching, getting ready to go in and get some gas, use the restroom. The door opens. An older white man comes out, shotgun in his hand, under his arm. Out behind him walks his wife and a small child, pulls the child in front of him, pulls the wife under his arm, cocks the shotgun, looks directly at us, and we stop like, what's the dude about to do? 
He literally said, this voice will be in my head until the day that I die. He said to me, to us, I thank you boys better keep on moving in that exact accent. And maybe that makes you chuckle. And sometimes when I think about it, I do too, because I'm still alive to tell you the story. But the reality is that is a traumatic experience. We don't know. We could wind up on the side of the road. We could have got mad. We could have got angry and tried to make a point. And we may be wound up in the bottom of a river and it wasn't worth losing our lives over, even though it was infuriating. We got in a car. We drove away. Luckily, thankfully, we were able to get gas somewhere else. But hopefully you see what I'm saying. Hopefully you get the picture. I am telling you. When people, when you see a black friend or you have a black Facebook friend or you have a black friend on Twitter or LinkedIn or wherever you see them and you see them posting things saying, I can't breathe, hashtag, I can't breathe, hashtag, that could have been me. When you see them sharing these things and saying they are afraid to leave their homes, this is not an exaggeration. This is real life. And I'm telling you from my own life experiences, like I'm... I'm only able to have this conversation today because yesterday I was flooded all day with tears, just crying, crying, crying. Decided to spend some time with a very close friend of mine, big brother. We decided to go get some lunch. We sit outside. We're not around people, but just to have some time to think and reflect. And here we are in the restaurant just crying, boo-hooing, man, weeping, grown men, because it hurts. And it's time out for sitting back and acting like this stuff isn't a problem. Acting like these fears aren't valid. The conversation needs to be had and we are having it. I told a story on my Facebook post of me driving through my neighborhood. This has happened to me on multiple occasions. I drive by this particular house and I already know where he is and it's a small white child. And every day he's out there with his toy gun. And I know it's a toy. It's not a colorful toy. So... I mean, you could be afraid, but I'm like, I know that's a toy. He's in the street playing with his gun, waving it at my car, pointing it at me, pow, pow, laughing. And I said, but when I see that, do I call the police on this kid? No, I don't. Why don't I call the police? Because he's a kid doing what kids do. Do I wish he would die? No, he's a kid. What kind of stuff is that? He's doing what kids do. I don't even mention it, but at the same time, out of the same breath, that breaks my heart utterly and completely because you know who else was a small kid playing with a toy gun to Rice, a 12 year old kid who a woman saw and called the police because he was threatening the community with a toy gun. Police pull up in less than two seconds. This kid is dead. They just unload on him. No questions asked. So do I want this kid in my street dead? No, I want him to get to be a kid. I just want the same privilege for my son when he's in the yard playing with his stick as a sword or his toy gun, which he, he won't ever be able to do. He won't be able to play cops and robbers or cowboys and Indians or any other of those other games that kids play because somebody could perceive him as a threat. And then I might be having a different discussion and I don't even want to take my mind there. But that is a reality that we face. That's all we're asking. Give him the same courtesy. Let him be a kid, man. We don't want to take his innocence away. I already going to have to have discussions with them. I don't want to have. My parents had to have discussions with me. I'm mentoring a kid right now in the city who no one's ever taught him. He's like, my first instinct when I see the police is run because I don't want him to kill me. And I'm thinking, I'm telling him like, nah, bro, you can't do that. You can't run because you're going to, they're going to kill you anyway. Because running makes you be perceived as a threat. But here's the thing. If nobody's had that conversation with you and you haven't been taught, 
because your perception uh, so that's a conversation that we've had to have and i've had to pour into him and teach him the rules of how to, you cannot move at all don't move even when they ask you to reach and get your wallet and your license and your registration like are you sure like there's people i keep my wallet in the front where i don't have to reach behind me where they can see it in the dash there's things like that i got friends who tape their driver's license to above the the mirror on their visor I, I mean it's like so many special rules that normal people or average people or non-brown and black people don't even have to think about they're like oh yeah i get my license registration that's no problem sorry i was in a little bit of a hurry is running late for work or my wife's about to have a baby trying to get to the hospital you're just thinking normal stuff let me get you this information officer do what you need to do and then i can get where i need to go it doesn't work like that for us i can't even move for instance, then I'll tell you why it's like that. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the problem or the issue is police officers. There is a problem with policing in America because we haven't done the greatest job vetting. We haven't done the greatest job with our systems and making sure that we don't kill the underbelly of racism. And that stuff is infiltrating because I have some of my very best friends, some great guys, great human beings who are law officers. And this stuff appalls them, too. And they speak about it candidly. So this isn't if you hear that and that's what you hear, that this is an anti this is an anti anything. This is anti hatred. This is anti racism. And, I, and it's a discussion that needs to be had, an uncomfortable discussion that needs to be had, which leads us to growth. So last story I share and then I'll get into the takeaways because our time is is spent but it was one night, my wife and I, we like to put our kids to bed seven on a good night, 7.30. If they're really lucky, they'll see 8 p.m. But between seven and eight, we put our boys down, let them have a little snack, a little treat, put them down, do our little nightly routine. They're the same thing we do every night. We put them down. And from 7.30 or eight-ish to on the evening, that's our time. That's me and my wife's time personal time it's our date time it's our watch tv and reflect on the day just dream so we're doing that good the kids are in bed we're happy getting ready to watch a movie i get a knock at the door nearing 9 p.m and i'm not gonna lie that alone made me nervous because it was a hard it was like somebody was beating on a door and i'm like what is happening and you know i'm like all right i don't know what type of situation this is about to be but i gotta go to the door and see what's going on so i get up and i start approaching the door but my heart's racing as my heart's racing i get close to the door and i hear somebody yell okay cpd and i'm like oh my heart sank if i could tell you what happened to my heart in that moment because my mind instantly started racing like oh what about what about what are they here for what do they think i did who are they looking for what's happened in this neighborhood and are they gonna pull the trigger are they gonna shoot first and ask questions later and you can say what you want to say but that is a reality that almost every black person thinks about when they have these type of experiences and if this is new to you i am raising your awareness by giving you the reality that we face i open the door officer standing there flashing the light on me and i i can barely see him he puts the light down and he's like sir do you have small children i'm like yes i do like what and then he what goes on he can tell at this point i am i am not okay and then he starts his tone comes down and he's he starts being incredibly kind he's like man well if someone keeps calling the 911 office and we just trying to make sure that whoever kids it is they get them we not we don't have a pinpoint location so they're knocking doors you know in a small radius on my block 
I'm telling him, my kids have been in the bed for a couple hours at this point, sir. He's like, okay, well, thank you. Take care. I closed the door. I kid you not. And I could not move. I could not move. I was paralyzed. My hands were shaking. My legs were shaking. It was the deepest feeling of anxiety that I had had in a long while. And then I just became overwhelmed and I just started weeping. I started crying like a baby because all I could think about is not supposed to be this way. It's not supposed to be this way. If you hear the sound of my voice, it's not supposed to be this way. And you say, well, what are you afraid for? If you don't do nothing wrong, you have nothing to be afraid for. Yeah, tell that to Botham John or tell that to a Tatiana Jefferson, whatever, man. You cannot say that because you don't know the motivation. And that is the thing. Now it's time to get to the reality. What does all of this mean? What does all of this mean? I'm telling you these real life stories. What does this mean? When you look in the history book, one of the things that almost all of us can agree upon not all of us, but almost all of us can agree upon is that the things that happened in this world in Nazi Germany under Adolf Hitler's reign were just some of the most egregious atrocities the world has ever known. And we all can agree that that was horrible. It was despicable. It was disgusting. And we all feel this way, right? But here's the thing that you don't think about. And this is where I want to challenge your hearts today. When you look at everything that happened in Germany, when you read the history books, it doesn't say that Hitler and his soldiers were evil people committing mass murder. When you hear Nazi, you think Germany. The two almost become synonymous. So the people who were complicit, the people who were fighting, the people who were fighting with and for Hitler and running these concentration camps and actually killing people, those people, as well as the people who had nothing to do with that, were just being Germans, just living their life, just eating, drinking, merrily, going on about their life, oblivious to the realities or not caring, acting as if those things don't matter or don't exist. When we talk about all of them in the history books, they all get the same reputation. So, my friend, I decided I will no longer be silent on the matter because when my great grandchildren, when my grandchildren and my great grandchildren read about the history in America of how we replaced slavery and Jim Crow laws and segregation with mass incarceration and ridiculous, ridiculously unnecessary brute force and the deaths, the unnecessary disproportionate deaths of black and brown bodies when our great grandchildren read those stories which side will you land on will you be a person when they go because here's the thing everything you post on social media is being archived everything you share everything you write when your ancestors go to look you up and when they read about the issues and the things that plagued people and some of the evil things that we see right now, where will you land? Where will you stand? What will they find out about you? Will they see you sharing in these things and supporting these officers and being a part of GoFundMe pages and groups who are supporting murder, who are supporting murderers just because for no other reason than they're white? Oh, 
Will is that what they'll see? Or worse, will they see nothing? Will they find nothing? Will they not see a single word that you ever said about anything other than your tea and crumpets, other than your Saturday brunch, other than your whatever it is that you post about? Your shopping sprees or the things that don't get me wrong. You should share. You should share whatever's on your heart. But an injustice against any of us is an injustice against all of us. And if you don't speak up and here's the thing, this is the question that I got from a lot of people on my Facebook post, especially a lot of non black and brown people. They were like, what do we do? We don't know what to say. And here's the thing. I will never sit here and proclaim to be a guru or like I know and have all the answers. I don't have all the answers, but here's what I do know to the 298 or 300, however many of you <laughs> probably 500 between Instagram and Facebook together of you, of my white friends of my beloved friends of my family who reached out and said, I don't know what to say, but I love you and said, I'm sorry, this is a reality you have to face that said this is evil and this has no place in our country that took my post and shared it so another voice could see it, could be exposed to it, could hear it from somebody that's not this off in the distance, far away, must have deserved it. Somebody that you all generally agree is a good person that's fighting for good, that's fighting for God, that's fighting to give love and life to everyone I come into contact with. When you hear these stories from me. When you share them, it adds validity to my voice in an audience where I would know otherwise have no validation. I would have no validity. You validate my voice in a place where I have no validity because you who look like other people who might be practicing racism have the ability to turn the pressure up. And that's what we got to do. So I don't have all the answers, but here's what we got to do. We got to we got to have a conversation. Anytime we get together, we got to make ourselves uncomfortable. We're never going to grow if we don't become uncomfortable. We got to come together. When I say come together, I, and this, is, this one right here is controversial. And a lot of people have said this to me, and I get where you're coming from. So if you said this to me, don't be offended that I bring this up. But I'm trying to educate right now. When you say, like, man, it's not the way it's supposed to be. We don't, we're, not, we're just supposed to see people and not see color. That is not correct because there are things that are unique to african-american culture there are things that are unique to native american culture there are things that are unique to latin american culture there are things that are unique to white american culture there are things that we all value things that we love things that are unique to our cult specific cultures and I want to see those things and see the beauty in them not act as if the differences don't exist because they do and it's okay. It's okay for the differences to exist. It's okay for you to look different. It's okay for you to sing different. It's okay for you to dance different. It's okay for you to cook and eat different. We just appreciate the differences and see them. Don't say I don't see it because that's a lie. When you see me before you know me, you see that I am a large black man. You see it. Don't act like you don't. Don't try to pretend like it's not real. And it's okay. That is who I am. I grew up in the heart of the South in Mississippi where we like to eat everything deep fried. Come on, man. And you can see that it's evident in my posture. Don't act like it don't exist. And so if I can, if I can implore you to do anything, I titled this episode, deliver us from people. God, deliver us from your people. God, deliver us from evil. When you said 
you could heal us from anything. What about people? And the answer is absolutely yes. And God will deliver us from people. But you know what? He's going to his answer. God's solutions to most of the problems we ever face are people. So while we are the worst of God's creation, we are also the best of God's creation. So you guys, this is our shining moment. This is our opportunity to stand in the gap with God and for God. And that's the thing. We cannot claim to be people of God and for God if we sit by and we let these things transpire in our presence and act like they don't exist. Or further, worsely, we participate in the evil and the hatred. You are not of God. And I I don't say that unashamedly. If you don't like it, you cannot listen. You cannot follow. You can do whatever you want to do. You can unsubscribe. I do not care. I will not stand by. When my great-grandchildren hear this, because they will because they might not ever get a chance to meet me but when they hear my voice they will know that their grandfather was a man of god he was a man of passion he was a man of love he was a man of character and he stood for what was right no matter what no matter the consequences and that's what you're getting from me so my question is if god wants to deliver us from people he wants to use you how can he use you if you are a person that's white or any other culture other than black and you want to figure out how you can be a part of the solution have the conversations if you see somebody in your circle directly your friends or family making racist jokes or saying things that you know are not right speak up don't let it ride don't worry about losing a friend is that really a friend or somebody you want in your circle if they participate in utter hatred if they participate in the perpetuation of this problem that is destroying us is that what you want not what you want because you're going to be held accountable for that too for what you did with what god gave you so my question is speak out man or my solution is speak out against it when you hear it the next thing keep sharing the stories because i guarantee you i just told my friend this and he's a white male I said, when you sit in a room full of other white people and you start talking about, you just bring up the name George Floyd. You bring up the name Ahmaud Arbery. You bring up some of these names, some of these big high profile cases, and you bring up the names, you make everybody in the room uncomfortable because nobody wants to talk about that. Like, do we have to do that? We don't want to talk about that. Why don't you want to talk about it? Because you would rather go on as with business as usual and act as if this doesn't exist. Because if you ignore it, maybe it'll go away. And this is something you have to stop doing. Stop assuming and giving every other white person the benefit of the doubt just because your heart is good. That's the worst thing you can do is be an officer or be a white person and look at those officers and say, they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't do that out of hatred. That wasn't racism. You can't say that. Because you feel like, because in your heart, you would never do that. You know that you have a good heart. You have a clean heart. You would never hold anything against a person. You would never belittle a person. You would never take from a person. You would never do evil or commit evil acts of hatred against a person. So because you wouldn't, that means everybody else wouldn't also. And you know that is not the case. That is not the case. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, I don't know if George Floyd committed a crime or not. I don't know if Ahmaud Arbery committed a crime or not. But are those crimes if, and that's a strong if, they committed crimes, it, should it be punishable by death? And if that is the case, how come Dylan Roof can walk into a church, murder nine African-American people, tell you he did it out of hatred and walk away with a, a free meal at Burger King?
How? How? How can that happen? How can that be okay? How can you be okay with that? And I'm not saying I wanted Dylan Roof to die. I'm not saying he deserved to die. Even though he killed, even though he did the worst heinous act, he walked into a church and sprayed it, killing nine people. I'm not saying I wanted him to die. I'm saying when a kid is in the park playing with a toy pistol, did he have to die? When a man is selling a cigarette, an illegal charge, but he's selling a cigarette, did he have to die for it? When a man is sitting in his apartment eating ice cream, did he have to die? When this man was apparently committing forgery, did he have to die for it? Honestly, ask yourself. Those of you who are looking at these posts and saying, well, he did wrong. If you didn't commit crime, you wouldn't be in that position. Did they deserve to die is what I'm asking you. Can you honestly say that? Can you look in the mirror and say those words? Look at the images of this man, a knee driven into a man's neck, a grown man crying for his mommy and saying, I can't breathe. And you can honestly say he deserved to die for a petty, nonviolent crime. If you can do that, then there, there's nothing more I have to say. So it's time for us to wrap this up. I just want to tell you, there is something we can do. And it's going to take every single one of us. It's going to take every single one of us getting up, standing up, speaking up, speak up together. We got to rise together. We can't do this alone. It, man, all the black people in the country can band together and hold the biggest nonviolent protest. We can walk in the street from Los Angeles to Washington, D.C., and nothing's going to change because our voices and our cries are not valid until our brothers and sisters who don't look like us, who look different from us, start speaking up too. Because together, we got to start holding the powers that be accountable. When we choose to speak up, when we choose to step up, when we choose to not remain silent, we are rewriting history and we are turning up the heat because here's the thing. I told this analogy and then I'm done. If you're in a room with 10 people and there's drugs in the room and eight of the 10 people want to do drugs, they cool with doing drugs and two people are like, that's wrong and it's going to kill you if you keep doing that and you start abusing them. Guess what? The eight people ain't going to really care because those two people over there just making noise, but the, it's cool with the rest of us. So it's cool, right? Well, maybe four of those are not four of the eight are not really for drugs. They just not going to say nothing. So it just seems like they for it, right? So you got eight people that's for just this having drugs and the other two is like no well what if the four who are on the fence who don't really support drugs stop being silent and then they speak up and they join the two who were against drugs and now you got six against drugs and four who are for it now the minority becomes the majority and even these people who weren't for it they were just silent have now joined the other side now it's going to be a lot more pressure on them of the four if they want to do drugs because now you got a lot more eyeballs looking at you judgmentally like, don't you do that because it's not okay. Well, slowly, one who was on the fence comes over. Now you got seven against three, seven people not for drugs, and now it's going to make it a lot more difficult for those other three people to want to do drugs because they know it's not socially acceptable anymore. It's not okay, and they know they're going to catch backlash if they do it. What am I saying to you? Hopefully you follow me. 
as long as the minority of the small black and brown people are in a corner yelling and rallying and doing all the stuff they doing all day long it doesn't have validity until the majority of the people until all of the good-hearted people all of the god-fearing kind-hearted people step up and they start using their voice they start joining the fight not by physically fighting but just by saying it's not okay just by not sitting by idly and letting this pass you by so when god calls us all at the end of the day and he wants us to stand before him and he says what did you do with what i've given you he said what did you speak up for what did you stand up for when he said he wanted to deliver us from people he wanted to use you what did you do so my urge to you now is to step up stand up let's go let's go together let's lock arms and let us not allow evil or hatred to have any place in this country because it doesn't belong we can't overcome we will overcome we shall overcome why because we can fight a lot